Hey, welcome to this episode of, uh, of our podcast for Ignite City Church. Uh, we're going to be spending some time here in Psalm 19. That, uh, this, this psalm was from this morning's reading or today's reading. And we're just going to kind of break down parts of it and then kind of land on a topic that I think is pretty important um, as we continue to try to live according to what God has set up in his word. But it's the topic of truth. And so we're going to jump in first and foremost, though, to Psalm chapter 19, uh, starting verses 1 to 4. And David, um, the, David says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. So imagine David maybe just land on his back as a shepherd boy. Uh, the sheep, maybe they're, maybe they're, they're sleeping. Um, and he's looking up in the sky and he's looking and going, man, there is something amazing about the heavens. And what do the heavens do? They declare the glory of God. The sky proclaims his handiwork. And isn't it amazing that uh, you can, if you live in an area where you see stars at night, you can kind of be overwhelmed by the sight of them. When, a, when, the, night is, when the night sky is just filled with these stars, you just kind of, you feel like you're small. And I know that there's many atheists that look up and they still see the beauty of it, but they wouldn't connect it to a creator. And that's fine. Um, I, I would completely disagree. I think there's order in the universe that really explains that there's a creator. I think there's beauty that points to a creator. Um, but I mean, that's that's my opinion based upon what I believe according to the scriptures. But think about it. the heavens have this universal language. To where I see the heavens declare, declaring the glory of God, like the, the weight, the majesty, the, uh, the imagination, everything that makes up God, like everything that God is. It's not anything that makes God, makes God become God because he's perfect. But all the attributes of God, the heavens declare his glory. And so when I look in the sky, whether it's the night sky with the stars or the sun or a sunset or sunrise, I sit and go, man, the heavens are declaring the glory of God and they're proclaiming his handiwork. It's this universal language that anyone can understand if they would look up. And then to think that the heavens day by day pour out speech and night by night they reveal knowledge and knowledge this this ability, like this, well, knowledge, truth. Um, So here's heaven declaring the glory of God. And the question that came to my mind was, well, do we, do we declare the glories of God? Uh, when people see me living my life, do they see a difference in me? And I don't want us to jump on this and go, well, I'm not being a good Christian. See, a good Christian would do these things and then just do them because that's what we're supposed to do. But I want to move us away. I want, At least I'll say for myself, I want to, I always want to move away from that concept into just, am I worshiping Jesus? The way that I may live my life should be done in worship to Jesus, so that I should be loving my I love I should be loving Kelly, my wife, well, and the my boys, Tyler and Dylan, well, and I should be loving my neighbors who live across the street and right around me. I should be loving them well. I should be loving enemies well. I should be I should be serving those who um, are the least of these quote unquote the least of these my brothers. When Jesus explains those who are oppressed or hurting or going without, those are the least of these. He's like those who hurt the most. We should be visiting people and in prisons. We should be visiting people in hospitals. We should be caring for the poor. We should be speaking out for the unborn. Um, We should be speaking out for the oppressed, but always connecting it to the gospel and seeing people come to Jesus so that society and cultures changed. But do people see the glories of God through the way that I live? Am I bringing glory to him 
or am I just quote unquote living as a Christian? You say, well, those are the same thing, but unless we define Christianity correctly, um, if Christianity is just a, it's a cultural thing and has some beliefs that there's a God, but really doesn't impact my life and it's not Christ I'm following, but just a cultural belief system that maybe I was brought up in or maybe, I'm, maybe I prefer, but is it really Christ? And am I bringing him glory? And so what does it mean to bring God glory? And I wrote this down as my definition of it. I wrote this, to live in a manner that causes others to notice the goodness and greatness of God in my life. I feel like that's a simple way, and I know there's no way to just explain it into one statement because it's too massive of a topic. But if we could just sim- if we could bring it down to something simple, like a tweet, um, as if I don't have Twitter, but if we if we could, to live in a manner that causes others to notice the goodness and greatness of God in my life. Jesus kind of made mention of it a little bit here in Matthew chapter five verse sixteen, when he says, "In the same way, let your light shine before others." so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so he's saying, man, let your light, this, this relationship, this right relationship with God, the, um, the way the gospel has impacted me and the Holy Spirit's in me and everything's changed about me, let your light shine before others. Why? So that they may see your good works. Like we're supposed to be doing good things. Followers of Jesus, if we're, say, we're saying we love Jesus, but we don't love people well, then we're not really loving Jesus very well because we're called to live like Jesus did. So, so, that, you may see, so that they may see your good works and then what? Not to, not to give us credit and not to notice that, us, but to give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So God's getting the glory. God's getting the credit. We want to live in such a way that the Father is receiving glory. So after that, I wrote this question down. But what is the key to seeing this flow out of who we are as worship of Jesus instead of just something that we do because we're supposed to? Well, see, I'm convinced that it starts with spending time with Jesus in the Word uh, in order that we might live according to truth. Now, here's the thing. We live in a culture that doesn't believe in truth, like an ultimate truth. It seems like truth is now defined by feelings or truth is defined by just person, like personal opinion. And you could sit there and go, well, Brian, it's your personal opinion that the Bibles are true. That's, that's true. I mean, that's a true statement. But I guess I would, I would turn back and go, so what is, your, what is your truth based upon? For me, it's something that's outside of myself that I'm being taught and instructed, I'm being convicted, and I'm being challenged by the scriptures. There's parts when I get to the Bible, I'm like, oh, there's part, that part's really hard for me to accept. Uh, it's it's hard to receive it because I might disagree with it. And if we're really honest as followers of Jesus, we don't like every single part that's in the scriptures because God is not afraid to confront us where we're lacking, like where we're sinning, where we're in sin or where we're messing up. He's not afraid to address it and deal with it. And so there's it's not like every time I read the Bible, I just sit there and go, yep, that's it. There's times I feel uh, there's this heaviness, a conviction, because I know I'm not living according to the standards that God has set up. But also if we play out the, the truth statements or the, the truths that scripture brings up, if we, if we play them out, if we live them out, and I know that some will sit there and go, yeah, but what about like the Old Testament? Well, yeah, when you look at the laws, you look at the first five books of the Bible, um, we, look and we realize that there's moral law, there's a civil law that was for the people of Israel, there's a, a ceremonial law that was the, the, uh, the worship of Yahweh before Jesus came as a sacrifice. So we want to do it based upon proper context, but to even play out, like if I say we do this, if we, if we say, hey, let's, let's have everyone in the world for the next week live out uh, the Ten Commandments, would the world be a better place? And I, I'm convinced that it would be. 
If we lived out the command that Jesus gave to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you, would it have for a week? And we added those to the Ten Commandments. Would, would the world look different? Absolutely, it would look different. It would be better. And so I feel like you take the truth claims of the scriptures and play them out and think through them. And we have to think deep about that. And so when it comes to this topic of truth, I came across this article and it was, uh, I didn't give the author, but it was from a website, greatergood.berkeley.edu. Now, when I mentioned Berkeley, some of you sit there and go, yes. And some of us sit there and go, absolutely not. But here's what I want us to do. Uh, walk forward through it. Listen. And I mean, you could probably find it. The article title is how to stay open and curious and hard conversations. And I'll put the, uh, I'll put the link down in the, the description of this podcast. But in, uh, in this article, the author introduced us to a philosopher named David Smith, who's a former professor at Central Washington University, and now at the University of Washington. So he grew up in the world of fundamentalist religion. It doesn't say which one. My guess would be fundament- fundamentalist Christian, which is more of a, uh, like there's, it's this connection of really a lot of rules, um, almost legalism, in my opinion, based upon uh, looking at scripture, say we just have to do every single thing in here as a fundamentalist. Sometimes I wonder, is it really connected to joy and freedom and life in the spirit and enjoying? I mean, that's my opinion. So I don't know if it's Christianity or not. It just says a world of fundamentalist religion. And then as adult, he moved away from that paradigm and became what's known as a religious progressive or skeptic, that he would look at religion and becomes he questions it. And there's, again, I'm not afraid of the questions that come up when people come up with scripture. I think that, I don't even think God's offended or afraid of the questions. But to be religiously progressive means, well, uh, it's almost like uh, truth can be ever-changing and it's our responsibility uh, to find out what that truth is. Now, here's the thing. Uh, In a lecture called Civil Conversation in an Angry Age, according to this article, he asked this question of, uh, I think it was 63 uh, 63 people who were in this Zoom chat. And he said, is it safe to assume all 63 of us are wrong about something right now? And then as people agreed with nodding heads on the Zoom chat, he then considered this. He said this. He said, that simple observation, uh, I'm wrong, I just don't know about, I just don't know what about, should produce some humility, some willingness to listen. And you know, I agree with that. All of us are wrong in something, and, we're always, and all of us are on this journey to, to find truth, to, 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 to be more versed in what truth is. And so knowing that I don't know everything, uh, there should be the sense of humility. When I take my car into a mechanic, they definitely know more about the car than I do because I know nothing about cars. So I usually go in with a sense of humility, never really saying, hey, this is what I think it is. This is what I think you should do. Not, I don't think I've ever said that to anybody. I just have to make the noises of what the car is doing uh, just because I look like an idiot when I, when I do it. They get a good laugh out of it and then I move on. But it's a sense of humility because I don't know truth about that. When people who are, um, if you're if you're an atheist or agnostic, for those who are atheists and agnostics, um, to sit and go, I don't I don't believe in God. Okay, but here's the thing: if uh, if you were to sit and look, make a circle of truth, and if I were to ask you how much how much of this circle this if this circle was all of truth, how much do you think that you know about truth? And so maybe you would pick even fifty percent. Say you're just you're brilliant. But it's that other 50% that maybe you don't know, and that's where the, the truth of understanding that God is real resides. And so maybe you just haven't learned it yet. At least that's a challenge, and maybe you could think through that. So he then asked this question of this group, back to, back to David Smith in his, in his lecture. He asked, this question, he asked this question, which do you value more, the truth or your own beliefs? And I think that's a powerful question. 
I think even as followers of Jesus, we need to look at that. Which do you value more, the truth or your own beliefs? Because we have to admit this. Because we have a belief and we say that we're followers of Jesus, it doesn't mean that every belief that I have is completely according to truth. Because what if my perspective or my understanding of that truth is limited? I haven't, I haven't learned it all. It hasn't been revealed completely to me. I haven't, I haven't thought through all the, um, all the, all the ramifications or the, or the connections to that truth. I'm still learning. We're all still learning, but there's a foundation of truth. And so, I, I, my conviction that when I first started walking with the Lord, I just had a conviction, well, you can lose your salvation. And I felt like maybe God was quick at it. So it kept people in line by obedience. And then you kept your salvation. And the more I've spent time with the Lord in, in his word, I believe that the scriptures say that once we surrender our lives to Christ, we can't. That there's this true surrendering of Je- to surrender my lives to Jesus that he is now Lord of our lives. The Holy Spirit comes into us. We're a new creation. The old is gone. The new, is, the new has come, according to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That when that happens, I'm his. I'm justified before God. Now, that was a process. So it wasn't something that I held to at the beginning, but it's just more. So God's revealing. So my belief before, uh, I, believe was, I believe, was incorrect. But I believe that my belief now is much more in line with, with what the scriptures teach, which I believe to be true. So the author, the author of this article uh, went on to say this statement. Um, they said this, to keep our society responsive to this mishmash of people, we need to visit and revisit each other's take on how living these days feels. Now that's the thing, how living these days feels. Now yes, our feelings play some part in making sure that we could make some right decisions. Example, so even the physical sense of feeling, if I touch something that's hot, I want my body to react, knowing that there are many people who live um, with this issue where they don't have that sense of feeling. They could be they could have their hand on fire and not feel it and think about how dangerous that is for their existence. But if these emotions that we have, all of a sudden it almost sounds like in what this person is saying is that that is now the foundation. How does this make me feel? Rather than, okay, how does this play out? Now, again, feelings can have a place, but they can't be foundational because our feelings are pretty fickle. The author goes on to say, where do our political norms and structures hit or miss the mark for people, for you, and why? What concerns you? What gives you hope? And then makes this statement, this is how our opinions serve us. Not by pushing us to defend our point of view to, to each other at all costs at all times, but by representing it in an on, in ongoing negotiations that both honor and transform it. So here's the thing. This is, the, this is my understanding of their statement. My understanding of their statement here is that truth is dependent upon the collective opinions of the whole who can change it as necessary so that truth becomes subservient to our feelings and preferences. Guys, I should, I should be open to conversations and listening to the opinions of others because they, they believe that they have truth. And I believe I have truth. I believe, but, the, the, but to engage in conversations with people that's, that's, uh, that's cordial, that it's polite, with a desire to truly seek out and understand truth and not just fight for our opinions. I believe in all of that. But I also believe that truth cannot be based upon my personal opinion because my personal opinion is very limited. That I need to be, I need to listen to what other people are saying, but also truth needs to be found outside of humanity because if it's just based upon my personal preference, then it's not truth, it's just relative. It's all subjective. So when you look at Psalm 19, 7 to 11, it says this, and this is from the, I think this is from the, uh, the Christian Standard Bible. It says, The instruction of the Lord is perfect, 
renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. And see, there is this, man, how does it make you feel? Or what's the experience that you have from this? But they're making. But David here is making true statements. He's not saying, hey, my opinion on these things is true. He's just saying, hey, the instruction of the Lord. And if we believe Jesus when he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We believe that God is truth. If God is the creator of all things, then God is also the creator of truth. And that's not that God has truth, but God is truth. So yes, I'm coming from a Christian perspective. I do understand that. And I, I, I unapologetically do. And so uh, for those of you that are followers of Jesus, I pray that this is an encouragement. Going back to verse 9, the fear of the Lord is pure. You say, the fear of the Lord, how is that positive? Guys, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, according to the writer of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. And I believe that a fear, a healthy fear of God would actually impact our society in a very positive way because we would think about how it is that we're living rather than just thinking that we're, we are our own gods and we can do whatever we want. I think there's this, the fear of the Lord is means, hey, if I fear God, I've actually come to, I've, I feel like I've, I feel like it's telling me this. If I have this fear of the Lord, then I've encountered him, which is an experience, I get that. But I've encountered him in some way, um, in, in, in an incredible way that's impacted my life and knowing who God is based upon who he's revealed himself to be in the word rather than just personal experience, but looking going, okay, so God's eternal. God is holy and perfect. God hates sin, but desires for sinners to come into right relationship with him and loves us so much that he came to get us, to redeem us, to ransom us out of sin and away from death and into right relationship with him so we could spend time with him in eternity, spend eternity with him in heaven, actually. Guys, when we do that, like when I look in the scriptures and that's what it says, I'm blown away by who God is. But again, it's based on truth statements. And so I said, go, that's who God is because I believe the scriptures to be true. The ordinances or the commands of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. I love that it says that they are reliable. Not just this is what I feel, but they're reliable. They test them. They are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold and sweeter than honey, dripping from a honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them. Those, these are his ordinances or his testimonies, precepts, his commandments. Warned by them and in keeping them, there is an abundant reward. See, there's this belief that I have that we will receive reward. Heaven is not the reward for our obedience. Heaven is the gift. A right relationship with God is the gift of God. But the way that I live my life, the way that we live our lives to honor and glorify God, God will reward us, not with salvation, but because we already have it, but just with whatever it is that whatever else he sees fit to reward us with. But then David continues with this after he says all these things about, we would call it the Bible, the commandments of God. He says this in verse 12, who perceives his unintentional sins. That means sins I didn't even know about. So the, the sin of omission. I, was, I didn't even know that I sinned. I mean, think about how often we do something that goes against what God has set up as right and wrong, and we're not even aware of it. So he says, cleanse me from my hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins and do not let them rule me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed from blatant rebellion. So he's saying, so he's saying, God, would you please cleanse me from the hidden sins, the ones I didn't know that I did, and also keep me from wanting to sin against you. Why? Why? So then I will be blameless and cleansed from, watch, blatant rebellion. Sin, guys, sin is not, oops, I made a mistake, I didn't mean it. There could be that. But ultimately, it is blatant rebellion against God. Verse 14. Now watch. May the words of my mouth. Think, think about it. Here's what, he wants, here's what David wants God to do. And then this is his prayer. 
This is what he wants to do in return. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That God is my foundation and he's my redeemer. He's the one who purchased me. He's the one who purchased us. For those of us who are followers of Christ, the only reason that we are in right relationship with God is because Jesus purchased us. He redeemed us. It's by his grace. And so here's the thing, as I close it down, we want to bring God glory. If we want to do that, it starts with this. Three things. These are three, and I don't know this is, I don't know this is a comprehensive list. I just think that there's at least three things that stand out to how to bring God glory. The first is this, the first is this a conviction about the truth that's found in the Bible. See, a conviction about the truth that's found in the Bible. In fact, when I say the truth, I don't believe that it's a truth. It's the truth. Again, when I look at Jesus, he says, I'm the way, the truth. Not a truth, but the truth. That's in John chapter 14, I believe it's verse 6. So, of course, there are parts that we agree with. Like when you look in the Bible, um, there's parts that we agree with, there's parts that we don't. See, we're confronted by this all the time, but truth is not dependent upon my ability to accept if it's true. So when, this, when God, when I'm spending time with God in the Word, He convicts me of something. It's probably something that I want that I, that I don't like, or I want to honor God, and He convicts me through what it is that I read, which is truth according to the, like the Scriptures. It's truth. Then I sit and go, okay, I don't agree with you, or I don't like that, or God, I'm so sorry that I did that, and I'm learning as He's taking me through this process of becoming more and more like Jesus. Um, guys, it's this conviction about the truth that's found in the Bible. We have to believe the Bible is the word of God. And I say, if you're skeptic, if you're a skeptic and you're, and you're listening to this, man, do the, like do a test on it. Look, I mean, but look for evidence, uh, not just the, not just the one-sided things, which we as Christians, we should do the same thing. Not just, okay, the thing that backs up my belief, but let's find truth. Let's listen to the arguments. Let's listen. Let's listen to the opinions of people. But I'm just convinced by what it is that I, I've known about Scripture and what it is that I read and plan it out of with regards to a, a worldview. I believe the Scriptures to be true. The second is this, a commitment to spend time with God in the Bible that we might receive as revelation of truth. Guys, when we look and see that the instruction of the Lord is perfect, the testimony, the testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, the precepts of the Lord are right, uh, we look at these things and go, this is what I should be holding on to. Perfect, trustworthy, right. Uh, the commandments of the Lord are radiant. The benefit that it, excuse me, that it has on my life is this, um, is that uh, it renews one's life. It's making the inexperienced wise. It makes the heart glad. There's this experience that I can have with it, but it starts with a conviction about the truth of scripture and a commitment to spend time with God on a regular basis in it that we might know what it is that he has said, and then a commitment to live out what God says. And that's where we agree with David when he prays it. He's like, God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You say, well, that's, those are just words and thoughts. But here's the thing. Every action that we do is first driven by a belief that we have. Every thought that I have can lead me into a direction of, of acting out that thought. And so I'm, so I'm supposed to take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ because I believe that Christ is truth, that I myself am not one who is prone to quote unquote truth, it needs to be revealed to me, and then I'm given the Holy Spirit that I might live out this truth, this life with Christ. But I, I, I want it all to start from within, not just this outward show, but from within, that I want my life to be completely changed. I want every thought to be in, in obedience to God because I believe that God's way is best, God's truth, the truth is best. And so I, there's where I land on this in Psalm 19. What a powerful chapter. What a powerful psalm. 
And it just made my mind, it just made my mind go with the concept of truth. So I hope that this is an encouragement to you, a challenge to you. Um, if you have any, if you have any thoughts, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can email me, Brian at Ignite City Church. Um, Ignite, I'm sorry, IgniteCity.Church. Brian at IgniteCity.Church. Um, other than that, friends, have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk soon.